0: The Paul Leslie Hour Helping people tell their stories And now, your host, Paul Leslie
1: Hey, it's me Hello and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour I'm honored that you're here Thank you for tuning in to the show I have for you today an interview with a legend in radio An absolute legend in radio He's been on the air for almost 60 years now He is still on the air. Bob Vass is credited as being the father of Freeform FM radio. Not many radio presenters can say they have seen and heard firsthand what he has. Bob Vass has been broadcasting in the New York region for more than 50 years, almost 60. His radio program, Radio Unnameable, was originally heard on WBAI in 1963. He continues broadcasting on WBAI to this very day. He's on Friday, I believe from midnight to 3 a.m. He has never allowed himself to be constricted by rules. Bob Fass always did what he wanted, including putting multiple people on the phone at the same time. He did and does. Impromptu interviews So many iconic artists Joined Bob Fass on the radio Including Bob Dylan His show boasted the first performances Of Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant And Jerry Jeff Walker's Mr. Bojangles Some of the other artists Who have joined Bob Fass on Radio Unnameable Include Joni Mitchell Otis Spann Ramblin' Jack Elliott Tiny Tim Frank Zappa Phil Oaks, Judy Collins, Phoebe Snow, and so many others. Bob Vass was also the subject of a full-length documentary entitled Radio Unnabable. In this interview, we're going to get to the essence of a man who has been communicating for decades. Of particular interest is what Bob Vass thinks is the most important thing. He talks about his friendship with Bob Dylan, and the importance of communication. I think when you're finished listening you're going to agree. Bob Fass is a fascinating man. To support the Paul Leslie Hour, go to thepaulleslie.com, click on support the show. The show is made possible by viewers and listeners like you. Now, let's get into the interview with radio's legend, Bob Fass.
2: I understand that you've been doing a radio show with some very interesting people.
0: I have, and you are one of them now. <laughs> and it's funny. Because well, that remains
2: to be seen. I'll be the judge of that.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny because the screen that popped up, it has you listed as unnamed. <laughs> and I thought that was funny, radio unnameable.
2: The name was not accidental. <laughs> There's a book by Samuel Beckett, who I was reading at the time, called The Unnameable. It's uh, another name for that which is beyond all understanding. Or maybe um, maybe Hell, another name for Hell. There were people who uh, suggested different names for for the show. I mean... I had a feeling that without a name, people wouldn't r- remember to tune in the next night. In those days, it was uh, considered bad form to call your program after your own name, so it became the unnameable.
0: Well, I want to kind of go back a little bit. What was life like growing up?
2: I lived in Brooklyn. I mean. I feel like I'm still growing up, (laughs) so maybe I shouldn't uh, answer the question in the usual way, but I think what you meant is what was my childhood like. We lived across the street from the school, and they used to say you have to go to the corner and cross at the corner, and I knew that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, which meant I wanted to break rules from the moment I started going to school. Then that uh, that was the beginning. I heard wire recordings, and I thought they were somehow fascinating. I wanted to be in plays and be an actor when I was a kid. That had something to do with it. My, uh, pals with, uh, kids who, uh, were sort of similar. One of my earliest memories is, uh, suddenly my grandmother said that she had to go to Florida. Now, she was a very, uh, tough woman when she said, I have to go to Florida. it was necessary to uh, take her there. And my uncle and two or three other members of the family and my three-year-old self crowded into uh, this uh, car. And so intent was he on getting there that he wouldn't stop for my toilet training. Oh, my. And... And so uh, there was a little potty that they had for me in the car, and I remember them throwing the contents out the front window and having them splash into the back. Oh my! And, but there were uh, there was like everything was it was kind of hilariously funny to uh, everybody in the car. There was a lot of organized. Intention, it seemed. That's the earliest scenario. Oh, yeah, I also remember sitting in my high chair while my father was studying and watching movies. My father had a movie projector. While he studied, the uh, Mickey Mouse and Popeye films were my babysitter, I would watch them. And then at the end of the reel, rather than rewinding them and playing them again, he would play them backwards. So you you see people falling out of the water, and I don't know, something must have happened in my brain around that time when I discovered that backwards is sometimes as... uh, Uh, Interesting as
0: forwards. (laughs) What about early memories of the radio?
2: Did you ever see a Tinker Toy set? Indeed. You have? Yes. The little hubs that you can stick other dowels in and sort of manufacture structures.
0: Right. I've seen them.
2: Yeah. And, well, I had one of those, and I made it look like a radio antenna, and a microphone, and I used to pretend that I was on the radio with my, uh, mock-up radio made out of a Tinker Toy set. When I was in high school, they had a program of taking people from English classes to be on plays that were broadcast from, on WNYE, the All City Radio Workshop.
0: What about the first time you were heard on the radio can you remember the first time you spoke into a microphone or your voice was heard over the radio airwaves
2: I have a few different flashes of at one time I was in in the audience at some New York Times program for children in high school and I'd ask some sort of a question I remember when I was at a, At Delphi College, they had a radio workshop. We did a couple of radio plays. One of them was Christopher Fry's Boy with a Cart, St. Cuthman, who uh, carried his mother on his back across, I think, Wales, building churches. Oh, yeah, and at, at Delphi College... They said, this is the, they, you know, when I was 15 years old, I had some sort of uh summer scholarship. Some guy said, this is the control room. Uh, this is how you turn the microphone on. This is how you turn the turntable on. Do something if you want to, you can touch anything. Mm. And he came back an hour later and, uh, I listened to the tape and I introed a record. I, I even know what it was.
0: What is it you like about being on the radio?
2: Well, there's something very important in my mind anyway about spreading spreading the news. Something that is a great piece of music or. Uh, a, a little uh glimpse of the reality behind the surface mm-hmm. i mean think of your friends and think of what it what what it is that makes you feel they i don't mind anyway people who like were with me on exploratory journeys into uh Different uh, subjects that I didn't know anything about. And, you know, at a certain point in my life, it was how to throw a softball. And at other points in my life, it was how to have girls like me and not be scared of them. Later on, it may have been, I you don't know, uh, how to live realistically in imaginary circumstances. Uh, another, it might have been how to give expression to something that I was moved by. Where to find this record that I had heard existed of uh, Bertolt Brecht singing. Where, you know, that I can think of moments like that. And then most of... I mean, most of the people who i I wanted to spend time with were people who I met from working on projects. something wonderful about a bunch of people who are not on anybody's clock but are trying to make something good happen, whether it's uh, you know one of the things that I had to do that was sort of related to Woodstock, the town of Woodstock. Marguerite Culp was the editor of the Woodstock Times. Did, did you know her?
0: I did not, no.
2: She had developed a relationship with someone who was in prison, who uh, had written her, and she'd gone to see him, and she thought he had an interesting mind, and... We were participated in a, a campaign to secure amnesty for him. It ended in uh, amnesty being given for the first time in New York State. And uh, Gary was a free man for a while. The uh, people who taken their who put their minds at risk to tell us something about the other realities are always kind of fascinating to me. I knew a guy who had been a station manager at WBAI. He was in his 70s and he lived near... Bowery, and with what everyone said was not a sexual interest, he—his name was Mel Most. He would, you know, tell a prostitute that he would pay her to just get off the street for uh, an hour, maybe a night then she could go back and do whatever she wanted and try to use a condom. Hmm. He uh, actually got a couple of the ladies to go to school. He was just like a kind of an independent anarchist trying to uh, make the world a place where he didn't have to suffer so much, seeing these young ladies inevitably being used and uh, and abused. He came from a great anarchist tradition. His father had some kind of relationship with Emma Goldman. And um, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you
0: answered it. I asked you what it was that you liked about the radio, and you expressed a lot about... The importance of communicating from a personal level.
2: Right. When I turn on my tap and brown water comes out, it's just it's just so much uh, brown water even when you report it. But if three or four people do it, or if a whole block of people know that they can complain about it, sometimes... The city will do something that will, you know, make life a little bit easier for people. Information is uh, the lifeblood of, like, our our anticipatory democracy. We anticipate having democracy, but we surely don't have it. Hmm.
0: Of the people you've spoken to, and I mean, it's been a lot of people. Throughout the years, can you think of one that has been the most interesting to talk to?
2: Gee, one person, mm, you t- today? <laughs> no, I mean that's a that's a very very. I can think of people who I love because they were so bizarre. I can think of people who I love because. They made me laugh, or well, they had a kind of an insight into into uh, the way things were. That is, I think it's William Burroughs who says, and Leonard Cohen quotes him, and so does Jeffrey Lewis. It's the light, the crack is where the light shines through. When someone is suffering, and they have someone. To tell it to, even if it's only one person, it's helpful. When someone is uh, in the the air, the night, the music, and they share that, that's great. When someone says, I think uh, we should, this new pipeline that's going to be shoved down our throats like a feeding tube, It's good that there are people who listen and know where they can hear hear about that. I don't know whether it'll, in that case, stop the pipeline, but at least there is an opposition to it that is uh, very informed, much more informed than the people who are voting for it.
0: What is the best sound in the world?
2: Ah, the best sound in the world. Someone who loves you whispering in your ear. Hmm.
0: What were the hardest times in radio for you, and how did you hang on?
2: Well, the hardest times were when I was fired from basically an operation that I had created. I mean, that's that's a hyperbole, that's not really true, but I had a, a pretty fair influence on the success of this radio station, and suddenly, according to some people, I was having too much fun. I uh, was saying things that were, in some people's minds, dangerous for the license of the station, but whatever the reason, probably had as much to do with my trying to, you know, be on the air five, four, five nights a week and have a a life outside of my life on the air. But anyway, uh, it happened. And during the time that I was off WBAI, I did programs on WFMU, which is another uh, of those... Wonderful islands of freedom and uh, cracked uh, surfaces that uh, I was talking about before. That was one of the things that I I did, and I I listened to good music and uh, I did a, a play, a couple of plays. I did some work with the Living Theatre and so. By uh, named Larry Lunan, who, uh, was a very, very good theatrical director. And I did a, a commercial, I wrote the commercial with John Kalish for the Broadway show of Doonesbury. I had a chance to spend some time with. Jack Levy, who uh, wrote uh, a bunch of songs with Dylan, and was a a, uh, great theatrical director. He was uh, also a psychiatrist, I believe. didn't surprise me when I heard it. I used to say, uh, my life is hanging on by a band-aid, but what a band-aid some band there's a a blues line I don't know I've had my fun Uh, I have had a lot of fun I've known some very high performing and thinking exciting funny people I still have a few projects that I want to try to accomplish
0: what are those projects tell us about that
2: well, right now I'm trying to do a radio show from my home. It's also uh, on the net, and it's on uh, a you know, couple of stations in different parts of the country. I don't have any children, but it might be nice to adopt a highway. There are things that I, that I might like to try to do if I had a little money. You know, I still read the uh, online New York Times every day and uh, try to stay in touch with people I love.
0: Who do you respect in radio? Are there people you admire that are still doing it?
2: Well, I you know I I, I have to hark back to uh, the the days when radio was. Uh, where I got most of my information. You know, I remember Studs Terkel, Bob and Ray, Henry Morgan, Robert Benchley. Today, there are a lot of great haircuts on on television, but very few... People are given the chances that Bill Maher has. It would be great to see someone like Krasner, you know, leading a talk show. That would be wonderful.
0: You've had a lot of musical guests throughout the years. Who has been the most enjoyable?
2: My mother used to say, Comparisons are odious. How can you compare one? artist to another, only by forgetting that they're artists. They each have their individual vision. I certainly like to listen to to Dylan. I like to listen to good poetry. I used to love to, I was the engineer for Judy Collins a couple of times when she did a folk music program on B.A.I., I used to love that. Like Rosalie Sorrell's voice, seeing the Beatles, the blues, uh, Jeffrey Lewis is really wonderful, the Fugs, the Holy Modal Rounders, great music scene in New York City. Uh, People send me. uh, Shows that take place at various clubs on video. It's thrilling to be, to spend your life in the middle of this, uh, this ferment. Even on Staten Island, there's a great cultural center. I say even on Staten Island. (laughs) Staten Island was where Garibaldi came when he had to leave Italy. Staten Island was with a Catholic worker had its uh, a summer camp. Dorothy Day lived and died on Staten Island.
0: You mentioned just a moment ago Bob Dylan. Can you tell us about the first time you met Bob Dylan?
2: Sure. I. Double dated with him. <laughs> I guess I did know that he was a folk singer, and I. Well, wait a minute. No, I, that's that's a false memory. Bob, Bob, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan was performing, and somebody took me to see him perform. That was when I first saw him. But I had friends who knew him. And, uh, his girlfriend, Sue's, had a sister named Carla. And, uh, I met Dylan. I think we played poker once or twice. Went driving a few times. I took him to the airport once. But when I had him on the radio, and it wasn't easy to get him to come up and be on the radio, he was uh, very cagey. But when he finally did come up, it was uh, wonderful. He he took telephone calls, and uh, he... uh, he did, uh, uh, he, he assumed other characters, uh, pre- pretending to be a member of an improvisational theater group. There was a kind of a brilliance about him, and incredible concentration. I introduced him to my brother. We went up to visit my brother, who was sick. Living in my parents' house, my brother had one of those jigsaw puzzles that a couple of thousand pieces. They look alike, and there's a lot of sky, and my brother had, after about three weeks, managed to put like, oh uh, a tenth of it together. And Dylan said, "Oh, that's uh, that's interesting, but let, let's see." And then he began to organize the the the, uh, the pieces that were lying around on the table. This one had a little curve here. This one had a little curve here too. And like all of the possibilities to fit next to. I mean, he was he organized the the task in a way that made it seem possible. I said, I can't imagine how you can do that, Bob. That's, that's really wonderful. I said, the only thing I can think of that's tougher than that is to turn it over and do the puzzle just on the unprinted cardboard. And he said, oh, yeah, I bet you could do that, too. And I think he probably could have. Another story, you know, he had this relationship with Albert Grossman for years and years. Grossman guided his career to a large extent, protected him when necessary, and uh, advocated for him. And then they came to a time in their relationship when they were having some trouble, and then they had a lot of trouble, you know, and they began to make a lot of money. It began to be contentious. And they went to lawyers' offices, and they sat around and they argued and they argued and they argued, and they couldn't come to an agreement. And Dylan got up and just walked out of the room. And Grossman chased him out of the room and said, Bobby, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's flip a coin. And Dylan said, all right. that's how they decided it. Hmm. I don't know, just an odd couple of moments.
0: What do you think is the most important thing in the world?
2: Mercy, compassion.
0: Why do you say that?
2: Empathy. That's what unites us with others. We're, we're very touched when, or at least I am, when I hear that uh, when they've discovered ancient human remains in in the in the rift in the Aldevar Gorge that indicate that someone had a terrible Injury, a broken spine, and yet they it was an old, old wound, and they lived a long life afterwards. They only could have lived if other humans had taken care of them, so I mean it's like part of our species for of, you know, even unrecorded history. I don't know. I think dancing is important. I think laughter is very important. It fills your brain with oxygen. So I only hope.
0: When somebody is listening to Radio Unnameable, your show, what do you hope that people get from the experience of listening?
2: Allen Ginsberg said, Something about a poet's job is to ease the pain of living. So if that doesn't sound too pretentious, that's what I hope they get. And I hope they—I mean, I hope at least uh, there's that level that makes them think it's, this is a this is a worthwhile experience. That was a good song. If I don't like this song, there's going to be one that I will like coming up soon. I used to love to take. Telephone call, it's a little hard to do now after one of the things that I would like some uh, additional cash for is to put in a few more phone lines so that I can put two people on who don't know each other on the air at the same time and have them talk to each other. That was something that I thought was very important to do at one point.
0: What is the best thing about being Bob Fast?
2: I get to talk to people like you.
0: For anyone who's listening, wherever they are, whenever they hear this, if you could say one thing to those people, what would you say?
2: Be good to yourself.
0: Be good to yourself. My last question. Who is Bob Fass?
2: I'll let you know if I have a right to
0: <laughs> Thank you very much for this time. Thank you for sharing.
2: Well, I know that you uh, called me because you saw the Radio Unable movie. And I just want to say that that movie was the work, not of me, but of Paul Lovelace and Jessica Wolfson, who are brilliant. They condensed 50 years into 87 minutes, and they did a very masterful job. It was a
0: very enjoyable film.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. They're they're great artists. Thank you very much, I enjoyed talking to you. I got a, a, a glimpse of what your program must be like. I'm gonna to try to listen to Ba
0: ba
1: da beep poop da but i, I on and walk on. Dragging, I believe it's a good but you a walk again. Goodbye.